The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Other Wrestling Show. My name is Joel and I'm here as always with Mike and we're going to break down the week that was in All Elite Wrestling Dynamite. Before we get into the action, Mike, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, dude. I got a big project launching this uh, weekend, so work's been a little, I'm not going to say tense, but everyone's just um, aware of the deadline, I guess. So. it's I've been through a lot of these and they usually go smoothly, but because we're a global company, we have to do it on the weekend this weekend and we have to do it like late Friday night for parts of it. And then Saturday in the afternoon when Australia is getting online. So just mentally preparing for kind of losing the weekend. So I've been kind of chilling this week and I've made the grave mistake of <laughs> Starting the MCU from the beginning. Oh, <laughs> uh, we're about to That's do that. That's a lot of movies. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Side, side podcasts where we review each movie of the MCU? <laughs> yeah, no, not interested at all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, we've been watching the Mission Impossible Could movies. Because um, we, do, we do a weekly movie night, uh, my wife and I, and uh, we've been watching through the Mission Impossible movies. But we're doing those every other week. And then we we put something in between... So it's not like all the same thing back to back. And we're going to do the same thing. I know that's going to take nearly a year to do all the MCU movies that way. (laughs) Uh, Because we're literally talking about like, if we did the same every other week pattern, that's like, what, 45 weeks of of viewing? Yeah. It's 23 movies, right? Right at this point, 23? 23 movies, but... Okay, so because I've been researching about watching these, I was like, man, what's I don't want to necessarily watch all of them because I've seen most of them multiple, multiple times. Have you heard of them? I think it's the machete run of Star Wars. No, it's like on an an alternative. It's an alternative viewing order of the Star Wars franchise. So you skip episode one, you do like four, five, go two, three and then six. In the way that like the story develops, it's supposed to be like a better viewing. Um, so I was trying to find like MCU orders and I found a speed round that basically includes the movies where everything is connected to the Infinity Stones. So if that movie oh. doesn't have a connection to the Infinity Stones, you can skip it. So with that, there's a 13 movie breakdown instead of all 23. So I think I'm going to do that instead. Because like, honestly... Like, I've seen Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2 a trillion times. I really only need to see the first one in this watch through. So I'll let you know how it goes, and I can send you the screenshot if you want the abbreviated version. Yeah, I mean, what in all of our experience together would make you think that I'm going to skip any of these movies? Like, you know, (laughs) but I started listening to Yeah, It's That Bad. You were like start at like episode 30 and i was like no i'm starting at episode no, one no, 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 and no. i almost I didn't start... listen to the podcast because of that uh i said because... almost start i said start on episode eight because that's when they get their format right fun fact i've never listened through one episode one through seven of that podcast Seriously? and i've re-listened to it um yeah i literally listen to it all the time because it's something i put on when i go to bed i always skip episodes one through seven <laughs> i've never Man, i can't believe I've i'm never a bigger listened. fan than you are oh 
bite me, but I, <laughs> I've never, I've never listened to the infamous gamer episode because oh, I always start wow. on episode eight. Yeah. Um, the first seven episodes are really bad. You should totally listen to them. <laughs> well, that's like my buddy who got me into it was always like, yeah, it's not really good to start, which is why I was like, okay, I'm not going to listen to them. So I mean, I think I just it's, kept I think that it's to heart. worth listening to them just <laughs> for the like completion, seeing the origin of, of what they were doing and, and like how far they went with it. And uh, yeah, it's super weird. They, there's also, that's the, in the early episodes is the only one where they have a, um, a woman review a a woman movie co-host? with them, yeah. yeah, for the Vanilla Sky episode. Well, so. may- maybe you know, for a podcast that's been out for a what twelve years now, maybe I'll finally go back and listen to the first seven episodes. Yeah, we should listen to each episode of that and then review it, and uh, you know, do that as a podcast. We'll do a podcast reviewing another podcast, episode by episode. Uh, believe it or not, my buddy Drew, I may cut this. But mm-hmm. he had a podcast idea to review dead podcasts and figure out what went wrong or why they ended. So very similar format. But yeah, I guess I'll sorry guys, we're going down in the deep, deep well. Check out, yeah, it's that bad. It's still on the podcasting networks. It's a just what it's probably in my top two or three podcasts ever. It's so damn good. Yeah, just ignore all the problematic yeah. content. It's it's fine. It gets better. <laughs> <laughs> By episode thirty, like you like it's the it's less troublesome. It's very tongue in cheek, but um, yeah, there's <laughs> this is definitely we'll cut a lot of this, Mike. You really do need to cut a lot of this. We say that often, but you don't actually. I don't do cut it. shit <laughs> unless there's a technical difficulty. I don't cut shit. Hey, Joel, you want to just dive into this week's dynamite? Already? Let's do it. Let's talk wrestling. I was going to ask you how you were, but we're at six minutes. the dynamite that was and dynamite kicked off with the tag team match between the team of adam page and matt hardy taking on th2 matt hardy got the pinfall victory for his team and after the match we got the reveal that hangman page had indeed switched out the contracts and matt hardy has signed an agreement to face adam page at revolution and whoever wins will get 100% of the other person's Q1 earnings in 2021. Next up, the Inner Circle had a backstage promo segment promoting the tag team championship match between Proud and Powerful and the Young Bucks for later on in this episode, and also MJF calling out Sammy Guevara. Next up, another match in the Women's Eliminator Tournament for the AEW Women's Championship. Serena Deeb taking on Riho. Serena Deeb not at 100%, allowing Riho to capitalize and get the victory, advancing in the tournament. And next up, another vignette uh, promoting Jade Cargill and Shaq and their upcoming match with Cody and Red Velvet. After a commercial, we got a match between Orange Cassidy and Luther, with Orange Cassidy taking a vicious powerbomb to start the match, but rallying back to win with the Orange Punch, getting the pinfall victory in that affair. Team Taz and Sting furthered their feud, with Sting coming out to the ring, discarding the bat, and taking a powerbomb. 
his first bump on screen in six years. And uh, this segment was a little bit hard to watch, to be honest. Don't like to see a 62-year-old man get powerbombed, but it's fine. It's fine. Eddie Kingston cut a promo uh, leading up to the match that would be the main event. Uh, And next up, we got Kenny reading to children. Uh, Kenny reads to children and then sets them on uh, Nakazawa. Nakazawa savagely beaten down by preschoolers. Next up, a tag team championship match between Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks, taking on Santana and Ortiz. Proud and powerful, Matt and Nick getting the victory. And after the match, subjected to a savage beatdown from members of the inner circle as the Good Brothers meandered to the ring to make the save. Next up, Brandy and Cody announced the gender of their child with colored pyro. Uh, Thankfully, this was only half a segment and led directly into the tag team match between the brothers Seidel and FTR. FTR got the win and after the match were met by Jurassic Ambush. Uh, coming out to the ring with the lights down and a new mask for Luchasaurus as Jungle Boy, Marco Stunt, and Luchasaurus delivered a beatdown to FTR in advance of their upcoming match. Next up was a promo from John Moxley, which led us directly into the main event. The team of John Moxley, Lance Archer, and Phoenix taking on the Butcher and the Blade with Eddie Kingston. Mox and his team got the victory, Mox securing it with a pinfall off the paradigm shift, and after the match, Kenny Omega attacked Moxley with the help of the Good Brothers and Don Callis and challenged Moxley to an AEW title match in a exploding barbed wire death match, claiming that the only way to settle this feud was to put Moxley in the ground. And that was... The week of dynamite. Stock up, stock down. Well, Joel, how about we start with the return of Rio and in an amazing competitive match with Serena Deeb. She is moving on in the AEW Women's Eliminator Tournament. Joel, what are your initial impressions of this match and this performance? Uh, first off, Riho has absolutely not lost a step. I don't know uh, what kind of work she's been able to do in terms of training, in terms of having matches uh, while she's been in Japan and been away from AEW, but everything in this match looked really crisp. I thought these two had great ring chemistry and the transitions from spot to spot were flawless. Really good technical mat wrestling here uh, and a really good story with... Uh, Serena Deeb initially having the advantage in this match and kind of overpowering Riho, uh, but that knee injury just becoming more and more pronounced as the match went along and preventing Deeb from getting the win and securing that victory. Uh, Riho looked great in this match, absolutely flying around the ring, and I was really impressed. Yeah, it. Uh, my my main impression of this is men women in this company there are very few who can move and work the ring like rio can and i don't know if it's just because it's been 11 months 10 months since we've seen her in action but it was just it was so stark it was just it popped out right away um her 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 ring style 
Um, so I, I was I was so impressed. And that there's that spot early on in the match where she's kind of doing like the, the crab like position, and Deeb is trying to like slam her on her stomach, and she was not collapsing, not caving. It's just amazing flexibility, amazing strength, and it's I, I can't I can't. <laughs> Put in the words how important it is to have the first AW Women's Champion back in the division, because God, for most of 2020, this division has felt like it was running on um, <laughs> running with very few uh, performers, and they had to build it up, build it up. And I, I think this is the best we've seen the women's division look in a very, very long time. And getting Rio back is a a big part of it. Yeah, having Rio definitely raises the rent for the whole division. And she's someone who can go out and have a great match with anybody. And when you're trying to build stars and develop talent, that's really important because she's someone who Anna Jay can probably put on a four star match with. And not to slight Anna Jay at all, she's very good, but she needs that experienced hand to help her develop and grow. You know, she's very young, she's still had you know, probably what fewer than 20 total matches in her career. So there's a lot of learning and growth that can happen. And Riho is someone who is going to bring up the entire division. Uh, I thought this match was fantastic. My favorite sequence actually was the finish. I love the transitions from those different pinning predicaments. And, you know, we so rarely see a match end in one of those sequences. So it kind of caught me by surprise that, oh, we actually saw a three count off of this trading pinfall scenario. And uh, it was perfect because Deeb was unable to kick out because of her knee injury that they had sold throughout the entire match and her wearing that brace and everything. So totally worked for me. I thought it was a good way for Riho to get the win in her return and get the win over a major opponent without mm-hmm. making Serena Deeb, who's a title holder, look like a chump. So if Riho doesn't win this tournament and doesn't end up challenging for the AEW championship, there's kind of that backdoor way to put her into a feud with Serena Deeb for the NWA Women's Championship. So there's a lot of different options here. And I really like the choices that they made in the booking and execution of this match. Yeah, th- this match, the com- the match, the commentary, the booking is perfect. I think it was a perfect segment, perfect storytelling. And yeah, you can't have the champion get beat or embarrassed or beat down so i think a very competitive back and forth match with both um performers hitting impact moves was was the best way to go and you stole my favorite spot i thought that pinning combinations at the ends was just beautiful (laughs) like 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 the wrestling nerd inside of me was like this is amazing and i love this so much outside of that i really the the double stomp off the top rope from rio yeah that looked brutal incredible like it it, i've seen her do that before and sometimes her being smaller takes away the impact from it i don't know if the way she timed that or or just the way serena sold it i don't know it just looked awesome and maybe it's because she usually has done it to like nyla rose and she just kind of bounces off of nyla maybe hitting someone who is um with a smaller frame made it look more devastating but yeah, I, I I really enjoyed this match. And Joel, we are gonna get Riho versus Thunder Rosa in the second round of this tournament. 
And I'm already getting goosebumps over that match. That should tear down the house. It's yeah, absolutely. We're definitely going to be spending a lot of time on this podcast talking about this women's tournament. We'll talk more about it later on in this episode. Uh, but right now, I want to talk about my favorite storyline going in AEW. And that is Adam Page and Matt Hardy. I am loving this. Uh, this has been really fun with all of the contract stuff and the Adam Page tie-in with the Dark Order, which is ongoing, as we saw tonight. Mike, what stood out to you about this segment? What do you like about Adam Page and Matt Hardy and the story that they're telling? I just love it when a heel gets caught in their bullshit. <laughs> like like Matt announcing to the world, and I'm going to make 30% of that money like and then that was like did you read the contract dude like i just i love it when the heels plan backfires and i i love this stipulation like i would love to take matt hardy or adam page's first quarter earnings that'd be wonderful right now um <laughs> i thought it was weird that it's like yeah they're 100 of the first quarter i'm like Real, just one quarter you'd like do the whole year or something but um I, I i really like it and i just i feel this is adam page in like a hundred percent control of his character of his in-ring work like that that double buckshot lariat was great haven't seen that in a long time um the reveal with matt hardy was great and i don't know after the the main theme of 2020 for adam page was people taking advantage of him his friends not be really being his friends or, you know, losing these things. So it, it kind of, for me, it's just nice seeing him being the one kind of taking advantage or not falling for the tricks and, and pulling the rug out on, on a bad guy here. So my heart is just, just warm from out and page here. And I love what they're doing with this character. And he's so damn good. He's so damn good. Yeah. The arc, of, of hangman in this early portion of, of 2021 has been a bit of a whirlwind because we had that rejection where he's turning down the dark order and saying, you know, I've done the group thing. I, I need to be on my own for a while. And we're seeing some of the growth and maturity where it parts of last year, his drinking was definitely out of control and causing him to make poor decisions within the tag team that he was in with Kenny Omega at the time. And now we're seeing clearly he has that under control because he was able to convince Matt Hardy that he was not sober, uh, but then pull the wool over his eyes with that second contract. And I loved the tribute to uh, Brody Lee in, in that mm -hmm. segment with, you know, always have uh, papers, extra papers uh, rolled up in your, your coat. So, you know, this was really fun. Uh, really well executed. And I really liked Adam Page's delivery. I thought his lines came off very convincing and the the tone of everything was great. The timing of everything was great. And uh, I also enjoyed that the heel, although they kind of lost this battle, wasn't made to look like a total chump because Matt Hardy clearly had a backup plan because we had Isaiah Cassidy in the mascot suit. I got a big, 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 big problem with Isaiah Cassidy being in Jackson DeVille's costume. Okay. If Hangman pulled the rug on Matt Hardy here, 
why in the hell would Cassidy be in the suit? How did Matt know that uh, Heyman was going to have the contract come out to prove that it's not what it seems like? On what earth does that make sense that Cassidy is in the costume waiting? He's he's always got a plan B, man. He's always thinking. I, but, but <laughs> I thought that was I thought that was stupid. I like with the reveal. I was like, ugh. and apparently you could tell by the shoes because he was not wearing mascot shoes. But still, it's just like you got duped here. Kind of for, for me a little bit. It kind of took away from the great con that that Adam Page had just pulled. So. It didn't bother me. And I like that it gave us an excuse for the Dark Order to come to the rescue uh, with John Silver leading the charge, demonstrating that he has not given up on Adam Page yet. I said it a couple of weeks ago uh, on our lost episode. And, you know, it, it still remains true. John Silver has not given up on Adam Page. And I'm here for this story. And I'm willing to overlook anything that doesn't make sense because <laughs> that's how much I am into this Adam page and the character that he's portraying. I think this is the best Adam page that we've seen. And I'm really, really excited to see where it goes. It, it's, it's, it's just an example of great long-term storytelling here. When Adam page collapsed in the ring and Kenny Omega failed to catch him and left him there. That was rock bottom. That was rock bottom for Hangman Page. And a lot of people say that hitting rock bottom can be the best thing to happen to someone. Like, makes them realize, I need to change. And this slow, not not sobering of Adam Page, but maybe just, you know, dry it out a little bit, um, really began after um, that moment with um, Kenny Omega. And uh, I... God, I we say I say this all the time, but this will lead to Kenny Omega Hangman Page at some point this year, and it is going to be the best feel good moment. I don't even care that I know it's going to happen. I'm going to feel awesome when Hangman Page finally holds big platinum. It's going to be great. Got to make it happen. Speaking of Kenny Omega, we turn our eyes to the AEW title picture and the main event after the match. We had Kenny Omega come out and cut a scathing promo. Awesome uh, promo. <laughs> really, really good stuff. He was fired up. And then take the headbutt from Moxley, driving his sunglasses back into his face and busting him open hard way. Uh, I love this. And I, I'm curious. I, I'm a little bit terrified. I'm not... <laughs> a huge hardcore wrestling guy. I don't love a bloodbath for the sake of a bloodbath. So exploding barbed wire death match, Mike, what All are right. we going to see? <laughs> All right, Joel, I can, I, I contacted the official wrestling encyclopedia of the other wrestling show. And that is our buddy, Larnell MC Larney on Twitter. And I asked him just right before the show, he was, he was tweeting me. I was like, hey, can you send us an, an explanation of what this type of match is and what we should expect? So I'm going to read exactly what he sent me um, about this match. So the exploding barbed wire death match is a FMW, Frontier Martial Arts Wrestling staple. It's a promotion in Japan. And to this day, it has not been run by any major feder federation in the States. Call it regulations between fire marshals, state athletic commissions, or just how punishing it is. It has never been done to this extent. 
ECW and CZW have run barbed wire matches. There have been exploding matches before, but this is potentially the first time an FMW-style match happens in the States. Rules-wise, it is one fall to a finish, no DQ, and if you touch the ropes, they explode. Also, it's barbed wire. Fun, fun. It's violent. It knows no gender. Uh, Megumi Kudo was a huge pioneer of that match in Japan for FMW, and it's entertaining. And uh, there's a, I found this out, there's a very famous one with Terry Funk from the 90s, so I guess we're going to have to check it out. But based off of that description, Joel, I'm scared. Because <laughs> you yeah, know. These are two performers that I care about. I don't, it's going to be an emotional process watching them put their bodies through this and you know uh, you know run the it's it's still real to me damn it drop but it, <laughs> it yeah. this kind of thing is is the real aspect of wrestling these are things that you can't fake it's going to hurt a lot and uh you know this is not my my favorite kind of wrestling but i'm sure that you know Neither of these guys intend to end their careers this way. So I, I know they'll find a way to do things at least moderately safely. But I mean, ah, man, I, I'm glad that there are other matches on this card that I can get really hyped up for because I, I don't know if I can get hyped up for this one. I'm hyped. Do you, I, but I just remember remember how uncomfortable we were during the, the Kenny Omega Moxley lights out match. Like... I, I mean, Ugh. how uncomfortable were we watching Frankie Kazarian and Adam Page beat each other with straps that had thumbtacks in them? You yeah, know? that was that was one of the most um, that we were so close to for that one. Yeah, um, I mean, that was up close and personal, but still like this stuff is brutal and it, it can be hard to stomach at times. Yeah, I would say, Joel, if you watch this with Melody, maybe maybe not have her watch this match with you. If yeah, I, I think she'll be skipping out on the main event, uh, which, you know, thankfully, this will be the last match to go on unquestionably because of the modifications mm-hmm. that they'll have, they'll have to make to the ringside area. Um, but wow, what a reveal. Would yeah, not have I, expected that. No, no. And and here's the thing. Like Moxley was known for American style death matches before he signed with WWE. I've seen clips of some of the crazy shit that he did. And you know Kenny Omega, a wrestling purist who tries to honor the industry every chance he can. You know, you know these guys are going to take it too too far, too far. <laughs> they, you know they're going to do it. So we just got to start mentally preparing for it now, man. I would say get some CBD, get that calming oils, get that diffuser going, and Make sure before the match you're in a good state of mind and then just don't plan on sleep. We'll record that night because I'm sure both of us are going to be too scared to go to sleep <laughs> and we're going to have to talk each other through it to make sure we're we're emotionally, you know, OK. Yeah, we'll just put on a couple of Saw movies to calm down and you know <laughs> get ourselves back in a, a more wholesome state of mind. Okay, you, you bring up the Saw movies. I love the first first Saw movie. It's it's it it's in it's in it's it's in my top. Right, we can't 10. we can't squirrel here, man. We can't squirrel. We I'm gotta... gonna squirrel. Okay, no, no, no. Okay, um, but yeah, I, I think it's gonna be really fun. Um, I'm didn't expect him to go back to Moxley here. We talked just last week about Archer possibly being in this main event, um, 
but I I'm excited time to end this feud and let these two go all out. Indeed. Indeed. I don't really have anything else to say on this. Do we want to move on to lightning round? Yeah, let's move on to lightning round. Lightning round. Well, the first thing I want to talk about this week and and maybe we just kind of go in order of, of these matches, but if you didn't watch the Japanese Joshi side of the women's eliminator tournament, that first round of that bracket took place on YouTube on Monday, go back and check that out because you missed four incredible wrestling matches and four matches that each had their own style and flavor um, and really demonstrated storytelling and over the top characters and charisma and you know just everything that you could want in a pro wrestling match i loved this and uh, i i was really really impressed with all of the performers um there were two that really stood out to me in, in this and that's maki ito and venny <laughs> i had not seen either of these two before and holy crap, totally blown away by both of them for totally different reasons. Uh, Mike, what? who is your favorite out of these wrestlers? And, and was it someone that you had seen before or someone who was new to you? Yeah, you, you, you took it from there. Makito uh, is who I came away the most impressed with. Um, that match, I'm going to butcher these names. Is it Ryo Mizunami? Mizunami? Mizunami, yeah. I can never, yeah. Um, that was my, that was my favorite match from this show. Um, I was just really impressed with the, uh, the intensity that, that both of them had throughout the match. Um, and, and Makito's character with her coming out and singing, um, was that, no, was that, was that the right, was Makito yeah. the one who came out singing? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. She's, came a, out singing. she's a former Japanese girl group star, yeah. uh, from like when she was high school aged, and then became an actress and a pro wrestler. So she's she's done a lot of stuff. And just yeah. her charisma and her ability to convey her character through that short performance. And you come away from it just knowing exactly who she's mm-hmm. portraying in the ring. So impressed. And I love the match. Yeah. Those uh, all of the headbutt spots with, Ugh. you know, the the whole thing that like maki ito has this unbreakable head and she's doing <laughs> all the the diving headbutt spots um i can't remember who the there's a a japanese legend who still wrestles from time to time in new japan who who does those the same dives and uh it's always hilarious to me because it's like a, a little dead fish flop headbutt and um i, I love it but yeah that, that match was fantastic yeah, I was also very impressed with uh, Emi Sakura. She, I don't know if, it, like you said, it might have been the smaller ring when we were texting before, but she looked a hair faster. She looked to be in better shape. And I thought this ring gear was a, a nice change from the Freddie, Freddie Mercury look that we've seen with her uh, in the States. But I came right really impressed with her. And and Venny was great as well. They they were really, really talented. Um, They got some really um talented people in this tournament and i kind of i was i found it interesting that the four winners were all of the joshis we have seen 
in the United States on AWTV at some point. I thought that was interesting that it was a clean sweep like that because I thought we'd get at least one new, one new, uh, one newcomer advancing to the second round. Yeah, I was expecting Rin Katakura to get the win over Asia Kong, uh, but I was blown away. I I had no idea because you know the only time we had seen Asia Kong in AEW was in I think in a battle royal and. I wasn't super impressed. It was like, wow, okay, this is a legend. This is awesome that she's out here. But I thought it was one of those kind of like, okay, I'm going to make an appearance because it's a cool thing, but I don't really wrestle anymore kind of situations, you know, and we see that with, with wrestlers who are, mm-hmm. have been around for a long time. She can still go and was yeah. really impressive in this match. I loved the character work and she's absolutely terrifying that, evil grin that she gets and just the way that she moves around the ring conveys her character so clearly. And uh, I was really, really impressed. The match was set up in such a great way to make you pull for Rin Karakura and everything that she was trying to pull off in that match, how hard she had to work just to get any kind of offense in on the larger mm-hmm. Asia Kong. And of course, Kong eventually prevailed, but I just, I loved all four of these matches. They all told a different story and just really, really great stuff. Yeah. And, and the thing with Asia Kong too, is it, it, a battle Royal. There's a lot of people in the ring. You got to be able to kind of move quickly and, you know, that's not her, not her style. What I love about this AEW's women roster as it, as it continues to develop and evolve is, God, remember the first few weeks, months of the show, we talked about body diversity so damn much. I feel like we haven't talked about that lately, but we're able to see these styles of matches, the Asia Kong match, because of the, the body, body diversity we have in this company. You don't usually see in women's matches the giant versus the underdog, you know, David versus Goliath. You don't see that often because you don't usually see that disparity in, in body types. So um, I think that's why this match worked perfectly because I've seen it in WWE. You know, it felt like a big show match where the underdog is doing everything they can to try to get that offense in and just not not making a dent. So, um, yeah, I, I have no idea who's going to come out of the Japanese side of the bracket. Um, I think all four of these these women could could easily win this thing and uh it's gonna be great i i like the i like i also like too one last thing about this is how they're doing the brackets separately and like i i liked that we had this youtube show to watch where it was done in a very because obviously the production of doing this remotely um you know felt like it was in an old warehouse um and also props to excalibur for rocking commentary on his own and knowing everything about each of these competitors. <laughs> like, yeah, like, the dude's what an encyclopedia. It was very yeah, impressive. Like, uh, so, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, Joel, anything else before we move on to another lightning round item? Yeah, I similarly have no idea who's coming out of this side of the bracket, but that's almost more exciting because, mm-hmm. you know, I went into this first round with a couple of preconceived notions about who was going to win these first round matches, I felt like I had a good handle on it and I was just way off the entire time. So, you know, I expected Maki Ito to win. I expected Mesa Ruga to win. 
uh, you know, this, it, it did not go the way that I expected. So um, really stoked for the next round. I'm a little bummed that not all of the matches on the American side are going to be on Dynamite. Uh, they're was that the, confirmed tonight? I I thought yeah, they the said final something, but I missed two it. first round matches are going to be taking place on YouTube. So, um, and that's Anna Jay and Ty Conti's matches with Nyla Rose and Britt Baker. So, okay. um, so those two matches I mean, are might... not going to be on Dynamite. But the the next the semifinal or the the quarterfinal match quarterfinal yeah those will be on Dynamite. Okay. Yeah, I guess they have to be creative here to fit this whole bracket in by revolution. Um, you know, I guess I guess I'm glad that it's not all on YouTube like the women's tag team tournament was for the most part, except the finals. I'm liking that we're getting a mix here. So we get this Rio Serena Deep match tonight. We had that amazing Thunder Rosa Layla Hirsch match last week. At least they're getting time on Dynamite for the women to show off in this tournament. And I think that's important. Um, one thing that I want to take from tonight is, and it's not really like in the ring related or anything like that. JR killed me with two of his one-liners early on in this show. Uh, the first one was when someone mentioned 2020. He's like, guys, we're not allowed to talk about 2020 anymore in 2021. I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, JR, you are right 100%. And then they were talking about Rio, and I, I one of the guys mentioned that she weighs 98 pounds. And JR basically goes like 98 pounds. Yeah, I, we have that in common. I was 98 pounds in the first grade. <laughs> it, just, <laughs> I, I, it just made me laugh so hard. So, you know, we dog on JR quite a bit. Um, but I want I, I just wanted to give him props because the Hall of Famer made me laugh hard twice tonight. Yeah, and all you people out there dragging him for calling Kenny Omega the WWE champion on the broadcast tonight, <laughs> go fuck yourselves. Like, uh, he was a commentator in WWE for how many years? And also, yeah, like didn't Vince years. call us the WWF just a couple of weeks ago? So Something like that, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm okay with that. Just makes me it's laugh. Fine. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> um, Joel, uh, what do you got for me here in lightning round? Uh, I, I wanted to talk about uh, Santana specifically. Uh, I really enjoyed the tag team title match, um, but I was struck in the opening sequences of this match with Matt Jackson and Santana in the ring. Just how damn good Santana's footwork is. Uh, next time you watch a Santana match, watch the way he positions himself and watch how quick he is at uh, shifting his weight and, and moving his feet around uh, in some of those spots. It's very impressive. It's precise. It's quick. And it it's an underrated aspect of his wrestling ability. Obviously, Santana is fantastic, but his technique is just flawless. And it was really apparent in a couple of the fast transitions between spots uh, in the early portion of that match. So I uh, was very, very impressed. Great match overall. Um, and I look forward to Santana and Ortiz winning the titles in AEW someday. It's got to happen uh, because they're just too damn good to not be champions. Yeah, I I couldn't believe this was only the third time that they faced the Young Bucks in AEW in a straight tag team match because those two teams have so much damn chemistry and it's kind of a shame. They, sh they should have gotten more... They should have crossed paths more. 
And uh, yeah, this match was fun. I was really hoping that Proud and Powerful would get the W to set up the inner circle final breakup at Revolution here. Um, I felt like that was a real possibility, but um, yeah, I I, I want to see that team utilized more. I, I don't want to say they've been misused in AEW because they've been a really good part of the inner circle, but those two guys need to need to be able to, because one of my favorite feuds of 2020, of 2020, sorry, can't say it, of last year was uh, Santana Ortiz's story with the best friends. That was so much fun. The back well, and, and forth and match then, was one of my yeah. favorite matches of the year. That parking lot brawl was incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah. So for me, another thing in lightning round is uh, luckily their Brandy and Cody didn't catch the state of Florida on fire with their gender reveal. <laughs> Congratulations, Cody and Brandy. Thank you for keeping the wrestlers safe, but so sweet. We're getting another Rhodes. I just really wanted it to pop up on the screen and say, it's a human. <laughs> that would have been just, hilarious. Just drag this me. out. Yeah. Um, uh, um. <laughs> so this is a, a very brief one. Uh, I'm glad that we did not see Darby Allen on this episode of Dynamite. I was going to be bullshit if Darby showed up after getting dragged behind an SUV uh, in last week's episode. So um, and apparently, I know I said this uh, on Twitter, but apparently the in the pro wrestling world, uh, attempted murder gets you fined. So, you know, that's that's good, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, OK, I got I got I think maybe two two more things that I want to touch on um, and I'm just stalling. Oh, I, I thought the, the, the Kenny at the preschool segment was really really good um and my 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 heart goes out to mr michael nakazawa as as a fellow michael i have experienced the same scenario in a preschool getting beat up by other preschool kids so i feel your pain if you need me reach out i will be here for you knock didn't deserve that knock deserves better no he does oh and what's up with a sidel brother debuting and botching because Mike Siddell did botch tonight too in his first match on Dynamite. And I just I missed something, the something with those. Oh, he went to do like a, a moonsault or something off the oh, top rope. Oh, oh, and he oh. like slipped. Yeah. Yeah. That so, was and a at little the bit same strange. corner. And apparently he saved it. Though. He, saved he it. saved it. He saved it. But apparently, I guess the reason it happened the first time with Matt is it was because of Nakazawa's fucking baby oil. <laughs> Apparently, well, I don't think that's up. actually true. I'm going I... with it. I'm going with it. I don't care. It's kayfabe. It's it's real to me, damn it. So uh, we need to stop this baby oil monster because I bet he tampered with that. But um, so I first thought, you're I offering sympathy Elba... to Nakazawa. Now you're saying he deserved to be beaten up by preschoolers because he's no. I didn't say he deserved to be beaten up by pre- preschools. I say we got to stop it with the baby oil. Big difference oh. here. All right. Um, okay. But I. I, I really I like the Seidel brothers, and I I didn't know there was another Seidel brother. To be honest, it's like there needs to be a tag team with Mike Seidel and Dolph Ziggler's brother, and they can just be the other guys, like the <laughs> ones we never knew about. Because I didn't know that Dolph had a brother who was a wrestler either. So. I did know about Ryan Nemeth prior to his debut in AEW, uh, largely because I had seen him on Twitter. 
Um, but I did not know about the other Seidel. So that was a new one on me. And uh, yeah, the other brothers could be a great tag team. And um, yeah, I think they could have and a nice feud with, with the, the good, good brothers. brothers. And, you know, yeah. <laughs> maybe they could feud over brother printers. It's just a brand, you know, <laughs> you just throwing it out there. Thank you. Do, you. do you got anything else for me here in Lightning Round? Trying to collect some printer money, that's all. Uh, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. All right, guys. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Other Wrestling Show, Twitter at OWS underscore pod, Joel at The Other Joel, me at Michael underscore Aranda. can get uh, the podcast on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere there's podcasts you can find us. You can email us at theotherwrestlingshow at gmail.com. And Joel, I failed to ask, did you have a random observation? Uh, no, the random observation is on hiatus. I will bring it back uh, when there's something random to observe. <laughs> okay. Um, and Joel, I'm assigning you a homework assignment. We got to watch this Terry Funk death match. I'll, I'll do so my I best. I want you to watch that. I want you to watch it. You want me to watch it so um, you don't have to. You want me to, to give you the Cliff's Notes no, no, version. No. no, I'm saying we should do a bonus episode on it. Review a death match in anticipation <laughs> of a future death match. Yeah, the whole episode is just going to be us crying into the microphones. <laughs> yeah, uh, I can't Terry wait. Terry Funk stole my right, innocence. <laughs> oh, dude, my innocence was lost so long ago. Like... It's not Terry Funk's fault. It's, you think uh, you think no. it, but you haven't seen that match yet. You don't. You don't know. Is it possible? Is it possible to lose your innocence twice? Well, you know, you haven't actually lost it. You just think you did. That's what I'm saying. I don't know. Nine Eleven was pretty tough. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> what? I that's like that's the moment where my childhood ended. I feel like that's a very common thing. Was that too dark? I'm sorry. Yeah, this just this just took a turn. <laughs> I'm leaving it in. All right, Joel, anything to say before I go the fuck to sleep and question my life choices? It's a great time to join the Dark Order. <laughs> join Dark Order. Remember, everybody, life's a work. Duck the clothesline. And happy wrestling.